Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' Afternoon Show at 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, the reason the media is called the media is because it's between the newsmaker and the public. It is the medium point between the two. So therefore, the media is there to supposedly report the story of the newsmaker to the public. The role has developed over time to interpret the news as well, which has inevitably led to the plethora of opinion we get today and the reality that more and more news reporting has a very biased slant on it. But the point is, when a big public organisation like the Auckland Council or Parliament needs to be reported on, there should be no restriction on which media get to do that. Yet yesterday, both the Auckland Council and an arm of Parliament were guilty of censorship, an out-and-out attack on democracy. First, the Parliamentary Press Gallery, which exists through the good grace of the Parliament, denied access to Sean Plunkett and his media company, The Platform. Now, there is no logical reason for this. Plunkett's outfit is a bona fide media organisation. The press gallery has set up some arbitrary new rules for membership, which The Platform doesn't meet, they say. And then the gallery has been quickly sprung by being seen to have members who don't meet the new membership criteria. So it looks like it's a personal vendetta. Pathetic, really. They will be found out. And then Wayne Brown and the Auckland Council then invite only some media to their big announcement of their new budget. In 2023... How can these people expect to get away with this? The Auckland Council's attempt at censorship was hopeless. Eventually, everybody in the media who wanted to got in. But then the mayor didn't answer questions. This is a democratic country. For elected representatives not to answer to the media, which is the connection to the public that voted them in and pays their salaries, is frankly disgraceful. This is RCR. Yesterday, the government brought out a plan to regulate online comment. Now, the plan is for a government proposal to establish a new regulatory body, supposedly independent from the government, that will control what can and cannot be discussed online. I guess RCR will be brought under the umbrella of this regulator. There is this 90-page discussion document, no doubt the work of some $100,000 a year plus employees at the Department of Internal Affairs. Anyway, this discussion document outlines ideals about safeguarding New Zealanders from undesirable content on media and online platforms. The first question to ask is why? Why should we be scared of undesirable content? What is undesirable content? Who is the arbiter of that? Then there are the Treaty of Waitangi obligations. What are they? Who decides these 
obligations. And then it goes on. Maori representation will be built into the regulatory system with Maori representation to be present in all stages of platform regulation. The regulator will have in-house te ao Maori capability and iwi and Maori will be involved in the governance of the regulator and will have significant input in developing the codes of practice. There is an English word for this. I think it's something like bullshit. Can there be anything happening in New Zealand these days without a Maori input? Why should those who say they are Maori be more important than anyone else? Just what sort of country is this government trying to establish? Can we not be one people called New Zealanders? Gee, I would, I would really like that. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Now, the Mayor of Auckland, Wayne Brown, looks like he's going to lose the fight over whether or not he should sell the council's 18% share in Auckland Airport. That's a pity, because this is what happens when you have a bunch of ideological lefties and financial illiterates on the Auckland Council. The airport shares, yes, are nice to have. They're worth over $2 billion. But the council owes a lot of money, and it pays a lot of interest each year on that borrowed money. By selling the airport asset, the council can reduce the money it owes and not pay as much interest on its borrowings. Therefore, it won't need to sock its cash flow, that is, its poor, suffering, long-suffering ratepayers, uh, for more money to service the debt. Now, I'm one who believes that you should always pay off your debt when you can. There have been times in my life when I've owed millions of dollars. I'm sure many of us are like that if we've had a house in a big city. But I had assets with that debt. The assets increased in value. I sold the assets. The debt disappeared. I mean, how simple is that concept? The Auckland Council can't do anything with its airport asset. It doesn't make money through the dividends. It has no influence over what the airport does. It's a bit like owning a house while you have a huge debt on the batch and the share portfolio. Why keep the house when you could clear your debt and have more money in your pocket? The non-sellers on the Auckland Council think the airport will increase in value, but, but what if it does? Unrealised value increases don't repay debt. The concept is so simple, it defies belief that some councillors just can't see the profit for the loss. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Uh, all right, we're standing by for the first uh, King's birthday, the first King's birthday of my life, probably of yours too, the first King's birthday celebrated in New Zealand since 1951. That's back when George VI was in the final year of his life, dying as he did in February of 1952. So it'll be kind of strange calling it that after all these years. It is not the King's actual birthday, of course. Charles is, what, 75 years old in November this year, and it wasn't his mother's birthday either. She would 
would have been 97 on the 21st of April. The first weekend in June is actually in recognition of the birth of George V, who was the king from 1910 to 1936. He was born on the 3rd of June, 1865. He died in January of 1936 at the age of 70. The reason we use his birthday as the basis for the public holiday is because the New Zealand Parliament of 1937, which was in the time of the first Labour government, Mickey Savage and all that, introduced the Sovereign's Birthday Observance Act. Now, up until then, we'd celebrated the Sovereign's actual birthday, which, of course, for the previous 25 years had been in early June anyway. George V had died early in 1936, and then his son, who became Edward VIII, had created such a furore with his relationship with Mrs. Simpson and subsequent abdication, he was never actually crowned. So by the time this Sovereign Birthday Observance Act was passed in 1937, George VI was the king, although he hadn't been crowned. And the empire, frankly, was feeling a bit shell-shocked from the whole Edward VIII saga in 1936, so it was deemed easiest to keep the public holiday in early June just to save the hassle. And that's why we're having a holiday on Monday, King's birthday in honour of the birth of George V in 1865. And that, my friends, is today's history lesson here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, we talked here a couple of days ago about a gay former philosophy professor named Kathleen Stock, who was due to speak at the famous Oxford Union Debating Society in the uh, English University city this past week. This woman lost her job at Sussex University two years ago for saying that, quote, trans women are still males with male genitalia. Many are sexually attracted to females and they should not be in places where females undress or sleep in a completely unrestricted way, unquote. In other words, Kathleen Stock has attitudes almost identical to those of Posey Parker, who was in New Zealand so controversially at the end of March this year. Now, there was a huge ruckus beforehand in Oxford as various trans activists tried to have Kathleen Stock's appearance shut down. But in the end, many senior academic staff at Oxford backed her appearance, not necessarily because they agreed with her views, but because they said she had a right to express them, the concept of free speech and all that. The British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, supported her appearance and even sent her a text on the morning of the event this week. So with good security and support from police, the inside event at Oxford Union went off more or less without incident. According to the Times report, a trans activist did get inside the venue and superglued her hands to the floor, but the nice British police came along with some solvent, unglued her, and took her outside. And that was the end of that. The point is that Kathleen Stock appeared, said her piece, was protested over because she said something that the vast majority of people agree with. She used her freedom of speech. The protesters used their freedom of protest. And that is the sign of a mature democracy, the sign of a mature society. I just wonder, will we ever reach that stage in this country? Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. 
Well, it looks like there was quite a lot of bad behaviour yet again at the big inter-school rugby match in Christchurch on Wednesday of this week. Christchurch Boys High School and Christ College have a rivalry going back to the 19th century, back 131 years. Uh, For what it's worth, CBHS Boys High School won easily the other day. But I was staggered to read the report of the match, which told us there was a lot of booze-affected chanting and barracking from the sidelines, which was racist, it was homophobic, it was worse. Uh, This was after people were breath-tested on the way in because of some really bad incidents, including arrests, in years not that far back. The headmaster at Christchurch Boys High School, Nick Hill, even wrote a letter to parents and prospective supporters, like old boys of uh, his school, saying that it was a schoolboy event which in recent years had been marred by some adult bad behaviour. Despite his pleading, though, it seems some people just couldn't care. Some of the chanting, as reported, was extraordinary in these so-called enlightened times. A Christ College uh, supporter uh, barracked the boys' high crowds uh, using a megaphone with uh, the phrase, Your mums are our cleaners. And when the boys' high captain, Manu Mawa Letiu, scored a try, someone in the crowd yelled, Straight off the plane! I mean, this was great reporting from the Herald's man, Kurt Beyer, who was there and reported what he saw and heard. It's reporting the way it should be. But gee, it tells an appalling story of privileged and unsavoury activity. I'm going to my old school's most important annual fixture in a few weeks uh, from today. I think it's four weeks today. Uh, Waitaki against St. Kevin's in Omaru. These days they call that the blood match. I mean, even that awful moniker suggests... There is something seriously wrong with inter-school rugby in some places. Maybe in Christchurch, when boys high play Christ College, they should play the game with no spectators. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, was the National Party MP Simon O'Connor a victim of a super-sensitive gay Labour MP, or was he deliberately winding up members of the Rainbow community during a speech in Parliament on Tuesday night? He was speaking during the debate on legislation called the Child Support Pass-On Acts Amendment Bill. It's designed, it's got a funny name, but it's designed to ensure that all child support payment to beneficiaries on sole parent support goes to that sole parent and not get siphoned off by the IRD. It's a very good bill, and National and Simon O'Connor actually support it. But in his speech, Simon O'Connor said, quote, it is the responsibility of the mother and the father to raise the child, unquote. He was having a pop, of course, at absent fathers who don't pay their fair share, which is fair enough. But the gay Minister of Justice, Kerry Allen, took great offence at the comment, putting out a tweet with hashtag mothers and fathers and hashtag no homo. I mean, can this Labour Party ever get away from identity politics? The fact that Simon O'Connor even has to explain this is quite extraordinary. And he seems quite bemused, understandably, by the outcry. He's stressing that all he was saying was that fathers need to keep supporting their children and that he didn't have time to go into the various iterations of family structures, which is understandable. Yes, Simon O'Connor is conservative. Yes, he stresses family values. Yes, he is very religious. So what? Sometimes Labour 
just appear desperate. Uh, I saw a fascinating letter yesterday from a National Party voter to senior National Party MP Paul Goldsmith. He uh, asks Goldsmith, as his local National Party list MP, to push for an amalgamation of NIWA and MetService. Now, these are both government-owned organisations, as you're well aware, and while they don't do exactly the same thing, both are involved in weather forecasting and both try to make some money out of it. But this National Party voter explains to Paul Goldsmith that the combined staff of NIWA and MetService is 900 By comparison, he says, Sweden doesn't even have a state-owned weather forecaster at all, but buys the information it needs off Norway. Closer to home, he claims that Team New Zealand bought all their weather information from a New South Wales forecaster whose results are both more frequent and more accurate. That's because he claims the world's weather forecasting is done from computers based in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, I don't know how true that is, but it does seem ridiculous that both NIWA and MetService are providing similar services with a bloated staff. But what's even more scandalous, of course, is that NIWA has been fudging its records to make recent weather events look worse than what they were compared to years previous. So the case for merging NIWA and MetService is logical. Labour would never do it. But maybe, maybe this letter from a supporter might cajole the National Party into action if they get into government in October. I mean, it's not a big deal, but it does show a desire to spend taxpayer money much, much more efficiently than is the case now. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Now it is Friday afternoon, the Friday before a long weekend. Uh, let me finish the week with a bit of uh, not-so-serious stuff. You see, I, I, I have the question on the lips of every man in Europe at the moment. Well, to be fair, that's probably quite an exaggeration. It's not every man in Europe, just a few. The question is, should a man sit down to pee? Now, I will stand up here and now confess, I always stand up. I haven't sat down to do a number one since I was a preschooler on the potty. But in Europe, according to a poll conducted across 13 countries, it happens regularly. The Germans even have a name for men who pee sitting down. They're called Sitzpinklers. And in Germany, 62% of men do it. Unbelievable. 50% of Swedish men like to sit down, and so do 34% of Italian men, or as you have to say these days, uh, people with penises. The POMs aren't that keen, but still around a quarter of them do it, and when the survey went elsewhere, it discovered 39% of Australian men sit down, but only 6% do in Mexico. I actually don't believe that Aussie number. If you sat down to pee in Australia, you'd be called a lot worse things than a sitzpinkler. But here's the thing. The scientists say it's good for you because it helps the bladder empty faster and more thoroughly, which is good for those with urinary tract infections or an enlarged prostate, which is sort of interesting to know, but thanks all the same, I will stay on my feet. In fact, I have to go right now. Enjoy your long weekend. I will talk again. Well, it'll be next Wednesday because we won't be here on Monday. Enjoy your King's birthday weekend. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. 
Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays right here on RCR Reality Check Radio. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. 